Hello, everybody. Welcome to 321 No Kidding. Bobby the Awesome here today with Mr. Buddy C. Welcome to the show, buddy. Thank you, ma'am. Happy to be here. I'm pretty excited and humbled by about this conversation that we're about to have because I know nothing um, in the context of, of your what you're going to share as far as is it religion? Is that the right word? Or is it no, just spirituality? No, it's philosophy. It's philosophy, philosophy not wisdom. I mean, not uh, religion. Okay. It's philosophy. Perfect. Well, if you don't mind, do you want to give yourself a little introduction and let everybody know who you are, where you're from, and anything else you might want to share? Sure. Uh, I'm ob- obviously from the South. <laughs> uh, I get a, I get uh, a lot of... Uh, kicks about uh, about my accent. I tried to get rid of that and it just didn't work. So I just accepted it and moved on. Uh, I was a heavy drinker when, at one point to deal with uh, business stress. I was a businessman. And in a short period of time, I got to the point that I couldn't control my drinking. Uh, you know that, you know, you have a drink, uh, the drink has a drink and the drink has you, you know, that's kind of the progression. And so, uh, I had some health issues. I had, uh, ended up with pancreatitis, lost 90% of my pancreas, told my wife to pick out my pallbearers. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I can I was on a ventilator and all these things. This was back in 2001 and 2002. Uh, and was in the hospital for six weeks total, two surgeries, and 60 pounds later. Wow. In six months, I was drinking again. Yes. That wasn't scary enough for you. Well, it's not about scary. I couldn't stop. Because I, I had no way to cope with life, you know. Uh, alcohol was my, I guess, my God substitute, if you wanted to look at it that way. Mm. And so the way I dealt with stress was I'd have a drink. And once I started drinking, it was not stopping. Then uh, I, I, everyone was pressing me to stop. So I started going to AA, um, got a sponsor. I did all those things they say do. But there's one thing that I did not know how to do. And that was if anyone's uh, experienced the 12 steps, the first three, uh, are about surrender. It's about letting go. And I could not surrender. I did not know how I thought God helped me with things. You know, I thought I did my best and then God would do the rest, but that was not working for me at all. So, uh, it took me five years of in and out, in and out a month, a week, a couple of days on and on and on, uh, before, uh, I finally got to the point that I had uh, decided I was going to kill myself because this couldn't go on. And, uh, you know, I made that that God statement, you know, God, either you are or you're not, either this works or it doesn't, or I'm out of here. And all of a sudden that craving just list, lifted. I mean, it was like it just left and it's never come back in all these years. Uh, and I don't, I didn't understand it at the time and I still don't understand it, but I know more about it. I can describe it a little better than I could then. And it's really was just this idea of surrendering and letting go. I did not know because I was always taught to do the opposite. 
If it's not working, you double down and work harder and do better. And that did not work. I'm speaking from my experience in recovery. That did not work for me at all. It doesn't work for anything. So as time went on, uh, I knew that my ideas of, uh, and I was a Christian, had some very uh, profound experiences with God even younger uh, as a teenager. There was something missing there because when I came into AA, I saw things happening for people that did not qualify for God to do anything for them. <laughs> you know, I mean, they didn't believe the right things. They didn't, they couldn't check off the right boxes. So no, I said, why is, why is it happening for them? And it's not for me. You know, I just could not grasp that. So I started looking around at some different philosophies. Uh, I looked at, um, and, and there's a, there's a, uh, a picture it's a painting and it's a metaphorical meeting. It's called the vinegar tasters. Oh, I read this on your website. I'm so excited. I was going to ask you to share this story. This is beautiful. Oh, good, good. Uh, and so uh, it's a metaphorical meeting. And they, what they did at the time, they used vinegar for a lot of uh, uh, different purposes. So with that, it uh, they would have tastings where they would come and taste vinegar and give their opinion. And they had a, a meta, and they all were alive at about the same time. Uh, there was uh, Confucius. Uh, of course, uh, these are the three main uh, belief systems in China. Uh, there was Confucius, and there was Buddha, and there was Lao Tzu. Now, Lao Tzu was, uh, is attributed for writing the Tao Te Ching, which was 2,500 years ago. Uh, and it's the second most published book in the world behind the Bible. If we were in China right now and you mentioned the Tao Te Ching, you would know what it was, just like we know what the Bible is okay. from, you know, from our culture. So Lao Tzu with the Tao Te Ching, uh, Buddha, of course, we know about uh, everything about Buddha and then uh, Confucius and Confucianism. A lot of China even now is based on uh, some of the guidelines that that he taught, very much like the book of Proverbs in the Bible, if you wanted some kind of way of comparison. So they each tasted the vinegar and gave their uh, opinion of the vinegar. Uh, Confucius tasted the vinegar. He spit it out. He says, you know, I don't know why we do this. Why, why would we do this to ourselves? There's no point to it whatsoever. You know, uh, why would anybody do such a thing? Buddha tasted the vinegar. And he said, you know, we're uh, we're wanting things to be a certain way. And we attach to that. And that's why we're miserable and unhappy. I'm unhappy with this taste because I'd like for it to be different. Lao Tzu tasted the vinegar. He smiled and said, it's vinegar. That's how it's supposed to taste. <laughs> Acceptance, right? And I was like, oh, okay. So with that, I started reading the Tao Te Ching and uh, seeing how that applied to my recovery. And it just resonated as a philosophy, not as a religion, as a philosophy. And nothing there conflicted with any of my Christian beliefs. Uh, as a matter of fact, you could look at the Jesus Sutras and you'd see that China was a Christian nation from about 600 AD till I think around 1100 AD. So, uh, I mean, every, uh, every town had a church and they made the transition because they were mostly Taoist and they made the transition because Taoism is about, uh, this, uh, ever expanding power, that we think of as the big bang, that there's this force that's working 
all the time. And our difficulty is trying to control that rather than getting out of the way and letting life happen. And that when we lay down ourself, you know, we lay down our selfishness and our dishonesty and our resentment, fear, all that's left is compassion, virtue, because it's the Tao Te Ching, the book of virtue, the path of the, uh, the book of the path of virtue would be a good translation of that. So over time, I studied, I started studying uh, the Tao Te Ching and had an online recovery meeting that talked about it. And it was so good uh, that we kept studying. And we've been studying the Tao Te Ching nonstop for several, several years. Uh, and then during the pandemic, I was thinking, I wonder how each of these uh, 81 verses relate to my recovery. And I was like, hmm, I wonder if I could write something about that. Uh, not a um, not an interpretation, not a translation, but an interpretation, you know. Uh, so I sat down and I did the first few and I said, hmm, I said, yeah, I'm that I can see that. And I kept going and kept going. And over 11 days, I wrote all 81. So I put that in a book and that's why I'm here with that, uh, just to share that information. So, um, yeah, it's, uh, it really added to my sobriety and my spirituality. Uh, and I, and I see it, uh, I mean, just simple things like, uh, can you allow the mud to settle so that I can water so that the right answer appears by itself? You know, can, can you just give it time? Oh, and, you mean having patience, buddy? We're supposed yeah. to have patience? <laughs> yeah. So that we don't get in our way. I get in my way all the time. Yeah. As you're speaking, a couple of things are popping up for me. One, I, I feel like I have heard about the book now and that one of the, I don't know if it was a chicken soup for the soul fellas or a law of attraction guy, but they did some sort of interpretation as well. So I really love the angle about recovery, or maybe they just explained it. I feel like I heard an audio book, but don't quote me on that. And then um, putting it in a, in a format for people like I feel like you're giving people an option. That's, that's, that's what your book feels like to me. Is that? Well, well, there's a big gap. Yes. There's a big gap between the God of our understanding and the doorknob. Yes. It's huge. So I, I know from my experience, people would come into recovery and they'd say, I don't believe that. I don't know what to believe. And you say, I have to believe in a God, but I don't. And what do I do? And this sometimes is a solution. Uh, I tell my sponsees, they don't have to believe anything, but they do have to take action. And if you take action, the belief will follow whatever that is for you. I like that. Just to back it up, in case anybody out there doesn't know the doorknob reference, what Buddy's talking about in 12-step, when a newcomer comes in or someone that doesn't have their own God, uh, the rooms say, you. it could be the doorknob. Um, it's just something that isn't ourselves. And and generally, at least from my experience, I've heard it just something greater than us. I've heard it be everything from, you know, light, birth of a child, nature, um, and doorknobs. So I just wanted to throw that out there because I've never really talked about that before on the show. So thank you. Thank you. So you got this book out there. And did you, as you're writing it, you know, from my experience, both in work and play, as a trainer, 
we tend to learn more, right? We and, than just doing the task. So did you have that experience as you're writing the book? Did you get even more out of it as you were trying to figure out how to communicate? Oh, yes. Yes. I got so much more. And and my ideas about a higher power still continue to evolve. They're not fixed and permanent. And that that's the difference in recovery. And the, one of the big gifts recovery gave me was I had to flip my idea of how to uh, how to approach this idea of God. Before recovery, I was given what I was supposed to believe, and that's what we believe. And then our life will change if we believe this, okay? In recovery, it's the opposite. We take action first. It's our, we don't think our way into right acting. We act our way into right thinking. Uh, because that's what Bill said when he when he said that uh, there would nothing so much immune you, uh, uh, keep you from drinking as working with another alcoholic. That that wasn't after you have some time under your belt. That's out of the gate, right? And I was like, how could that be? And then I started realizing what he was talking about that we have to take that action of love. We have to take that action of compassion. And if we can get that into the relationship or into the issue, uh, it starts to take care of itself because the change comes from that loving kindness and compassion. Uh, and when we show compassion for others, we're really showing compassion for ourselves. And the more that's coming up lately, and and I get this more from the experts on my show than even my own knowledge, but what we put out there comes back or, or the world in the science of energy, you know, if we're happy, we're going to get happy back. If we feel grateful, you know, we're going to get gratitude. And that, that's what I think I just heard with the compassion piece. So I really, I like that. You know, the, the world's a mirror for me. Uh, I get back exactly what I give. So I want life to be good. So I want to, I want to give as much good as I can. So and then the rest of it works for itself. takes care of itself. Oh, I'm sure. I love that. Are Do you use this book as a tool with your sponsees? Uh, sometimes um, I've, I've heard people taking the book and using it for devotions. Mm-hmm. I've, I know of a couple of meetings that are using the book for content for meetings There's one in Missouri, I think, that's doing this. And there's one in India that's doing this. Wow. Yeah, believe that. Yeah, I I couldn't believe that either. Uh, I get it. Oh, and there's a yoga group that's doing that. Uh, Mark on the Recovered Cast used it for several months for his content, for his podcast. So I've got different people using it for those type things. Um, But I'm I'm also doing a daily devotion that I'm taking the little ideas and putting them into a thought and an affirmation. Uh, if anybody wants that, then go to buddyc.org and get those for free uh, while I'm writing them. I'm writing them right now. So uh, that's been more difficult than the book. The book was just a gift. I just sat there and just wrote it. I was amazed as I wrote the book. Uh, I still look at it now at different verses and I think, did I really pin this? Because I did not come up with this. This is way beyond me. Uh, it was it was really quite an experience. That's what a lot of the great authors say. It's like they're just the vehicle to get the words on the page. And you just gave me an idea. I 
I haven't done very many solo shows because I've been blessed to have so many resources, you know, great information because there's so much to learn. But I had I had gone through the Recovery Dharma book. Um, I think it was during COVID. And I kind of taught out of that on the show. You know, we took different different pieces. I almost wonder if I should try to do that with your book with a couple solo shows. That would be like my interpretation of your interpretation of the book, you know? Yeah, I have people. One thing I did not expect, like they'll be reading a verse uh, and they would. I've been in some meetings when they were using it for content. And they'd say, well, now you said for here instead of at. Why did you do that? You know, like all the little bitty. Th- I, I had no idea it would be picked like that apart, uh, like every word of every sentence. And I said, listen, I, I said, I don't know why I use that. I, I look at the whole thing as an idea, not every word, you know, that's, uh, but that's, that's, that's been the biggest amazement to me, how, how folks have taken it so literally, uh, like we do a lot of text, but uh, I, I'm just amazed it's been as well received as, as it has. So how far into your journey did you discover this? Like, was it, you said you were in and out of the rooms for five years um, was it like once you got your hands on the book and started looking at it, then sobriety became easier? Like what it, it was an evolution. Like? It was an evolution um, at five years sobriety. So this was the five in and out, then five more. Uh, I started looking around for different things. I read the Nag Hammadi, which is all the lost books. They're not part of the canonical writings, but all the Gnostic Christian writings. So I started with all those things, read all, and it's a huge book. It is very thick. And I read that and I started looking at other books. I got, I looked at refuge recovery, some at some of their stuff uh, and just, just different things before I, and, and I heard uh, about the Tao Te Ching on a podcast that I listened to. And I thought, huh, I need to look that up. So I'd never heard of it before. And then I started looking into the Tao and a lot of the writings that we like are Taoist in thought. And there's a whole section in the big book that's very Taoist. It's all the section pages 85 to 88, uh, where it talks about we cease fighting anything and anyone, even alcohol. You know, that that it just comes, you know, that we're, you know, we're no longer, you know, we're, we're neutral to to alcohol eventually. Let me, let me, I want to, I want to read just a hair, just a little bit of that. It, it, it says, uh, we cease fighting anything and anyone, even alcohol for by this time, sanity will have returned. We'll seldom be interested in liquor. If tempted, we recoil from it as a hot flame. We react sanely and normally. We find that, this has happened automatically. We will see that our new attitude toward liquor has been given us without any thought or effort on our part. It just comes. That's the miracle of it. We're not fighting it. Neither are we avoiding temptation. We feel as though we've been placed in a position of neutrality, safe and protected. That's that's the Tao. That's the idea behind the Tao is that we're more in our way then we are making our way. So my job, and that's what the steps have done for me, is just help me to 
to step out of the way and just let life happen. One quote I really like says that the man of Tao stands on what is already moving. Doesn't make things happen. Whatever's moving. Is that what you said? Yes. 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 What is, what is already moving? So they look and they pay attention and they notice. Now, a part of my journey was that I started meditating too. Um, This was in uh, 16, a couple of years after that. uh, I started meditating as well at the same, about the same time. And then I started practicing with the Zen Center in Atlanta, uh, which I've enjoyed. But meditation's become a big part of my recovery uh, and my daily spiritual walk. I, I meditate daily. What would what would you say? I think the most common the common feedback when when we talk about meditating as our personal practice is I can't meditate. I got the thoughts. And what would you say to to those people who always say I can't meditate? Because I'm sure you've encountered them as well. Yeah, it's not about not thinking. That's what I have learned for me. Uh, I'm going to think it's what do I do with those thoughts? Do I let those thoughts take me off to somewhere or can I just let those thoughts go? Maybe come back to my breath. If my, you know, and there's times I can't meditate. If I have a very busy day and it's in the middle of the day and uh, I want to meditate, sometimes I can't sit down and do it. I'm just, I'm just too hyperactive to do that. Uh, If I, my best meditation time is first, first thing in the morning before I look at email before I do anything is go ahead and meditate then. So we all have that fidgetiness at times, you know, where, where we, we can't sit still, but for the most part, we learn different practices that help counting breath is a good practice. Um, a mantra. Some people use a mantra of some kind, uh, and there's lots of different mantras that you can use. Uh, there's lots of good podcasts on meditation too. Uh, Did I see one that have- I really like is Spiritual Awakening Radio. It's James Bean is the um, is the guy that does it, and he's been doing this for years and years. And I learned a lot from his podcast when I was starting to meditate. You have links to a lot of these things on your website, am I right? I do under the resources, and there's a podcast resource page as well. And I have his uh, podcast and a lot of others there. That's awesome. You, I'm going to go back a little bit for a minute because we were talking before I pressed record. And I, I honestly have never read the big book. I've never been to an AA meeting as an adult. Um, I was exposed to it a lot as a kid. And I had to go to Alateen and all these things. And I really actually grew up very resentful with, with 12 step, but I'm in gamblers anonymous and go faithfully. And and it's part of my recovery. So it's, I'm, I'm past all that, but I've never read the book. I, I don't know all the things and what you read out of that book kind of describes what happened to me. Alcohol just fell away when I was trying to only have a drink once a week or not you know, only drink on the weekends or all those games, it didn't come. But without trying, it just kind of fell away. So I wanted to call that out because I'm sure there's people out there going, you know, this stuff's kind of 
big deal, maybe feels distant, right? And we all have to start somewhere. And well, uh, go ahead. That didn't happen for me until I worked the steps in my life and started really practicing what other people were doing that was working for them. So yeah. when I got a sponsor, I had to do, I wanted what he had. So I did what he did, even if I didn't like it or didn't believe it would work. It didn't matter. And that was a result of the steps in, in years of, uh, of meetings and recovery and uh, seeking being a spiritual seeker. Yeah. Spiritual seeker. That's a great way to put it. Yeah. I, I definitely attribute the step work to a lot of who I've become today. Um, I just, and I, and I'm a seeker too. So I love hearing about all these different um, avenues to, to get the, to get the light bulbs to click. Is that a bad way? Yes. To say that? Yeah. We're, we're talking about, in one of our study groups right now, we're, we're going through Byron Katie's, the work, her work. And it is incredible because it is the fourth, the fourth and eighth steps is mm -hmm. dealing with your resentments and, and the things that, that bother you for, uh, about other people and how to stay in your business and all those things that we learned that I learned in recovery that I did not learn before then uh, I'm saying, and that's a way that people outside of the rooms can can uh, apply some of the same principles that we learn in the rooms, whether whether those are you know Gamblers Anonymous or AA or NA or any any of all the different meetings that there are programs. Yeah, yeah. Foundationally, I think it's pretty much all the same. I think the language changes, but I do recognize a lot of the principles from talking to um, AAers. Is that yeah. a great way to call that? Yeah, that's that's good enough. <laughs> <laughs> there, there's a good book uh, called uh, it's David Hawkins, a pathway to surrender that it's a very, and it's not an AA book. Uh, it's his personal uh, journey to learning how to surrender and how to, how to maintain powerlessness in his life. And I have learned so much. It's really about doing the first three steps. The book is, uh, and I've read it with sponsees and we had a book study actually using that book that we read it through in the book study. And it was oh, very really? good. Very good. I would recommend it to anyone that's having difficulty with the idea of letting go. Yeah, I think addiction for me, and we just talked about this at our meeting on Monday, was is about control. Like we were we were reading part of the book or whatever, and and it. I want to control my gambling or my gambling made me feel in control or my drinking made me feel in control of the situation. When really, once the, the smoke clears, you realize you're in control of nothing. Like at least in my case, I was in control of nothing and I was just escaping and hiding. Yes. So it's very hard to be in control when you're off the rails. Um, but it doesn't, it's almost like you can't just like package it in a bow and give it to someone. They have to go on their journey to find their own way to release. Right. Like, do you agree with that? I do. I think we have to experience the misery. It takes, it takes the misery. I'll read a verse from the book that talks about that. If that's okay. Sure. Let me get that here. 
It's about living life our way. Well, I think there's a good aspect to that. You know, like, I don't think people should live their lives um, hunkered down or stifled by what other people tell us. So I like that premise of living our life our way. But I think you're going to go a little deeper than that. Yeah, this is verse 58, good or bad. Govern your life from a distance and you will be free of self-deceit constantly meddle in your affairs and relieving misery will become your motivation. Disaster has its root in good fortune. Happiness lurks beneath hardship. Who knows what the future holds? Is there right or wrong? Good seems bad. Bad seems good. This has always been a mystery and has led the most sincere among us astray. Therefore, the sage resigns judging her day and accepts the moment for what it is. She uses her brilliance not to blind, but to show the way to others that she is already walking. Hmm. Related. So, yeah. You know, it's, it's, we don't, we, how can I interpret what's going on in my life? I, I want to orchestrate my life to where everything's good. But I never learn anything when things are good. Uh, when I have difficulties, uh, then I'm learning and life would, would be very shallow if there was, if there were no lessons. That's true. I heard a lot about relinquishing control in there and, and I'm trying it in my head to, to flow. You know how they say, go with the flow. Yes. That's what I heard a lot of is like, instead of putting that resistance and creep, like it's not good to create the problems. What you're saying is when you have the speed bumps in life, take them as lessons, embrace them and walk away a better human from them. It, right. Yes. Yes. Uh, this is verse 71. It's sick of being sick. Knowing we do not know is the highest knowledge. Thinking we know is an illness. We aren't, we unlearn by working through the pain of living life our way. The sage meets no difficulty because he is surrendered fully to the difficulty. Becoming sick of being sick, the doorway of surrender becomes visible. And this is one of the greatest secrets. Yeah, becoming sick of being sick is what we have, that point we have to get to. And when we do that, the doorway of surrender becomes visible. And and this really is how it worked for me. Mm. Uh, just uh, just an incredible gift. All all the steps just were just really helped. Uh, they're all about the third step for me, because uh, we just make a decision to turn our will and our life over to the care of God as we understand God, not the way our mother understood God or our preacher or anyone else how we understand God in us alone. Uh, and that's turning over your cares and everything you care about. If I have a sponsor that's having difficulty getting that, I'll say, okay, write down everything you care about. What do you mean? I said, everything. If it's your wife and your kids and your dog, whatever it is that you care about. And then he gets his list and he thinks it's going to be, you know, a couple of hundreds, usually 30 things, 20, 30 things, <laughs> you know, when you get down to it. And I'll say, okay, you're not designed to carry these things. 
It's not yeah. your job. So we, we think about, I used to think the third step was about turning my will over to God like a prison sentence. You know, I can no longer do what I want to do. I got to do what God wants me to do. You know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Then I realized it was freedom. It was freeing me for me. So, and, and all the rest of the steps prepare me to be able to do the decision I made in the third step better because it's just a decision. It didn't say we turned our will and our life over. It says we made a decision to turn our will and our life over. So all it is is deciding. I've heard it said that, you know, it's similar to you have three frogs on the log. One frog decides to jump. How many frogs are on the log? Three. Because he just decided to jump. Doesn't mean he jumped. Ah. And it's the same thing. I just, wow. So one of my struggles has been the word, power powerless and and it's only new it's only the last few years on my journey where i i've heard a lot about the words we say and how it creates like we talked earlier about what we put out there so if i say i'm powerless then i feel like i have no control over my life so i struggle with that word but you just gave it a whole different perspective you're actually saying if i heard you right and please correct me you gain your power through the decision of relinquishing the control, which is the powerless. You're, you're powerless over the inevitable. You're not powerless as a person. That is correct. That is correct. I am not designed to run my life. I was taught to work harder and do better and I could, you know, conquer the world. But that almost killed me. Mm. The stress and I and the real gift with this, one of the gifts, is that I no longer have to carry the weight of the world. I can let that stuff go. Uh, and I find I'm always taken care of. It always happens like uh, like I need it to happen. But uh, yeah, it it's about uh, you know, our we, we think that if we say that we're powerless, that we're laying down and doing nothing. You know, that idea of, yeah, you know, like I got to do something. What is it I'm supposed to do? You know, <laughs> like at the end of the meeting, they would say it works if you work it. And I'm like, what do you mean? What's the work? I don't know what the work is. Show me the work. You know, <laughs> And then I realized one day it was the steps because it says in step 12, we have a spiritual awakening as the result of these steps. So the steps give us that spiritual awakening and they're not there. There's a, a a Zen saying, maybe Taoist that all these things are the finger pointing at the moon and we get confused as to which one's the finger and which one's the moon. So all of these practices that we have are pointing us to something else. They're not pointing to themselves. Mm. They're pointing to something greater. And that's what I think is great. And as we all follow this path and let's say we're climbing this mountain, the closer you get to the top of the mountain, the more similar the trails look. And I think that's the same for us. Yes. Yes. Oh, you're giving me such good little nuggets that are, this is the fun of the journey is getting to a different perspective. And then it just, 
it kind of becomes our own perspective, taking all the little pieces of the puzzle. So I appreciate that. So if people want to get your book, buddy, or buy your book, do can they get it anywhere? They can. Uh, I'm, I'm on Amazon. Is, is probably the best place to look for it. Uh, also, you can go to buddyc.org, uh, and there's several sample uh, verses and all, and you can take a look at those and see if it's something that you like. And if, if someone can't afford the book and they'd like to have a PDF, they can go to the website and email me, and I'd be happy to send them a PDF for free. Sounds very generous. What's the title? I don't know that I said that. Uh, powerless but not helpless. Powerless. <laughs> wow it's I funny because you research. yeah powerless but not helpless uh and i didn't come up with that i was i needed okay this is a great example i was needing a, a uh title for the book and i said what am i gonna call it and i said okay i need a title for the book i'm gonna surrender my need for the title and i'll just wait till it comes along so i was just going through my regular day, and I have a regular podcast I was listening to. It was the Boiled Owl podcast, and uh, uh, Don's uh, guest said, uh, you know, I'm powerless, but I'm not helpless. I'm like, that's my title. Yeah. It was like that week, and and I got permission to use it, uh, and, I, and I asked Don, I said, would you mind if I use that as a title of my book? Uh, and I got it from her, and he said, no, she won't mind at all. And so, uh, so I, that's how I got my title, but that just happens. I stumble on those things. If I'm open to those things and don't think I already have it figured out. Yeah. Humility. I'm not open when I think I know it, you know, but that's all I have. Uh, uh, they can find out more than they need to about me at buddyc.org. Okay. So we covered everything that you wanted to cover with us. Yes, ma'am. Awesome. This has been a pleasure, buddy. Like, I, I need to read the book. I need to do some interpreting. Um, so I think I, I may do that exercise maybe with my audience, Ooh. but I, I love you have such a, a beautiful spirit about you and the way that you share things has really like, it just helped my heart today. So I know you're helping my audience for sure. Thank you. I enjoyed it. It's just sharing my experience. That's why I give the book away. I didn't want to do that. Because I said, that's going to cost me sales. I want, the, I want the sales, you know? And I said, no, wait a minute, buddy. You do not own this book. It was a gift to you. And how can you take credit for a gift? How can you, you know, be miserly with a gift that you're given? Right. Like, yeah, that's right. I can't. Well, you said it earlier. You put it out. It comes back. So. Yes. You're doing good work, my friend. Good work. Thank you. I really, I enjoyed uh, meeting you and being on your podcast. Thank you. Thank you, buddy. 